official post preseason preseason podcast. That was wordy, but it makes sense. It does. Um, we have the first game kicking off in 48 hours or so, so we're trying to get you a quick last episode in. Um, I guess I should introduce who we are. This is Inside the Cylinder. We are your go-to Detroit Pistons podcast. All of our new episodes are on DetroitBadBoys.com. They're also on the Lineups Network, so that's Lineups.com slash podcast forward slash podcast um and uh yeah i also one to one thing i wanted to bring up um if you enjoy this show definitely go to itunes hit that five star leave a little feedback we are thirsty for feedback um you can also do that in the comments on detroitbadboys.com where all of our new episodes go up so please you know give us a shout um let us know what you want us to talk about. We're here for feedback. We are here for you to make this show the most enjoyable as possible. Joe, and this is David Fernandez, uh, one of your co-hosts. And I'm Joe. And, I'm, and that's Joe. Um, and I think we're, we're probably due for a mailbag episode here in the upcoming week. So if you could follow, subscribe, uh, leave a review, follow us on Twitter, um, You know, shout us out, ask some questions. Hopefully we'll have... One of those episodes coming up here the next couple of weeks. Yeah, and on Twitter, we're inside the C-Y-L-N-D-R for our handle. Um, and I agree, Joe. I think like the mailbag episode style is good because we, we used to have the Ask ITC, but I felt like last season we were we forget about those questions at the end because it would only be like one or two questions that, that were submitted. And I just felt like we, we dropped the ball on that a little bit. And I think the mailbag... You know, full on. We're gonna answer all your questions in one episode, type of thing. Is is the way to go? Or if we go back to Ask ITC, I think it's probably better to answer those at the beginning of the episode before we get all rambly and involved <laughs> in our thoughts on the Pistons. So we'll figure out a format on that. Yeah, before like these dark flashbacks from a New York Knicks loss or something, kind of like creaking into Don't our do memory. That to me, man. <laughs> all right, all right. Sorry, sorry. It's just been, you know, I don't know. Early Joe, season I'm, mindset. So before we get into the actual like topics that we have set up, how is your like mental and emotional state going into this this season? Um, I, good all all things considered. I I didn't watch a ton of preseason to be completely honest. Watched a lot of highlights. Excited about Christian Wood, who we'll talk about a little bit later. Team got better, so that's good. I'm I'm generally overly optimistic before the season starts. Uh, taming that down a bit. And uh, just overall, man, I'm ready for some basketball. So um, good or bad, fun or not fun. Um, just looking forward to to a couple nights of week, a couple nights a week, being able to kick back and watch the Pistons. Yeah, I, I would say that I am nervous going into this season, and I think it's just I because. Yeah, I mean, it's just been. I think the last season wore a lot on me emotionally. Um, there's just, I always have these typical types of expectations for this team going into the season, you know, six, seven seed, 
a, a slight margin better than 500. And, and honestly, you know, that's kind of where this team is at now as they're, you know, currently constructed. I, I don't don't have them, you know, as like a, they're not a bona fide top five team. They're not a bona fide playoff team. They can definitely be that. But this just, I, I understand the the roller coaster that is a season. I think I'll be better off in handling that roller coaster if I just have, you know, more of like a, all right, just take it for what it is type of mindset going into the season rather than, you know, the true expectations. And honestly, a lot of that was had to do with how Detroit started off the season. I think they were 3-0 and last year, 13-7 and going into December. Um, so, you know, th- there's they, they gave me a lot of reason to be excited early on in the first quarter of the year. Um, so now, even if they do start off really, really strong, I'm still going to be like, okay, just let it play out. It's a long season. There's a lot of games in this. Well, one reason to be excited is the fact that the 15-man roster is set and the guy who we all wanted to be signed was signed, and that's Christian Wood. Um, it was kind of a, a three-headed monster in terms of who was going to stay and who was going to go. Um, Christian Wood... Joe Johnson and Kyrie Thomas. When I look at this, when you really like break this down, there's no question mark around this to me. Joe Johnson's 38 years old, didn't show us much in preseason, averaged three points a game, couple rebounds, didn't have any notable plays that would make you say, oh, you know, that's a, that, you know, throwback ISO Joe, hope to see that late in the game in the regular season. Um, he was experiencing Achilles swelling recently, just something that old people deal with, I guess, not like an acute Achilles injury. Um, and so the only real reason to sign him onto the squad would to be a, would would be to be a veteran locker room presence, um, which is great. But there isn't a significant uh, value add to the team that he would bring for the Pistons. Um, on the other side, you have. Christian Wood, he's 24, uh, plays the backup center position, which is a major position in need uh, for the Pistons. Put up 17 points, eight rebounds a game last season for the Pelicans in, I believe it was just eight games. So not a huge sample size, but still, uh, you know, legitimate performance out of him. Uh, 13 points, seven rebounds a game in just 17 minutes uh, in the preseason for the Pistons this year. Showcased a, a pretty serious NBA skill set, in, including several top highlights, a couple monster dunks. Uh, he's a rim runner, finishes at the rim, can handle the ball, and he's long on defense. So to me, I, I think it was really a matter of trying to trade someone else outside of Christian Wood in Joe Johnson because after his preseason outing, um, there's no question that Christian Wood was going to be signed to the team. They wanted to keep Joe Johnson but couldn't find a suitor for a Kyrie Thomas or potentially a Langston Galloway. Um, so that makes a lot of Pistons fans happy. David, do you have any thoughts on, on this entire process? Yeah, I mean, after watching the preseason, seeing what you know those two guys were able to do on the floor when it was you know, pretty clear that that was at least on paper, like the, the roster battle, you know, who's going to grab that last spot. Um, definitely the right move. Um, at the same time, you know, I, I know Langston Galloway was a player that was floated that a lot of Pistons fans wanted to see, 
him moved in in some fashion in order to sign Joe Johnson. Um, I honestly I think Langston Galloway is a guy. Even though there's a logjam at that shooting guard spot, he, he's still a better, more productive player than Joe Johnson is right now. So even with that fact of him being in a position, even though Detroit has 17 shooting guards on the roster, um, you know I, I'm still prefer Langston Galloway's value add on the court rather than what I was seeing and expecting to see out of Joe Johnson. Um, and then also, I, I think it's more so Pistons fans have a lot of you know sore memories of the uh, Spencer Dinwiddie trade for Cameron Baristow and um, you know moving on from Chris Middleton too early. So there's that like underlying fear of maybe we shouldn't give up on Kyrie Thomas too early. I don't think it's you know that he's Kyrie Thomas is going to be as good as either of those players. But at the same time, I, I like the the philosophy, the the mental you know perspective of like, hey, you hold on to the younger player, see if he can show you something. Even though it's been pretty clear throughout the course of um, you know last season and early this season in the preseason that Kyrie Thomas hasn't really been able to separate himself from the bunch and, and earn playing time. I still would prefer to have the young guy on the team, um, especially with this particular Pistons team. It's a weird mix of really young players and some very seasoned players. So, um, you know, with just looking at the future, hoping that you can get something out of Kyrie Thomas, I, I'd much rather keep him than than Joe Johnson. So all in all, I am happy. Um, one thing that was a narrative kind of about this whole, not necessarily, just this whole situation, was a lot of people were saying that it would have been an indictment on the Pistons organization, their leadership, if they were to you know, trade or cut Kyrie Thomas or something like that, even though it, there was, you know, cap implications with that move for Joe Johnson. Joe, do you, would you, did you perceive it like that? Did you think like, Hey, let's say Detroit did decide to find some sort of way to get Joe Johnson on the team in expense for a Kyrie Thomas or a Christian Wood, that that would have been like an indictment on the actual organization itself. Actually, you know, scrap Christian Wood out of that Kyrie Thomas. Do you think that would have been an indictment on the organization? Uh, I'm not sure. I mean, if that, I'm understanding correctly. Uh, it, it would have it would have been a, a bad move for the wrong reasons. Um, my understanding is that they wanted to keep him as a, a strong locker room presence. If that was the reason, I think that's a bad reason as well. So either way, if they were keeping Joe Johnson, I just think it wasn't the right decision. Yeah, so we're both on the same page. Yeah, clearly made the right move. We have the guys, the team set. And, you know, most importantly, the one of the larger positions of need, at least theoretically right now, even though it was just preseason, was addressed in the backup center slot. Did you remember Cameron Barstow included in that Chris Middleton trade, or did you have to look that up? No, no, that was the Spencer Dinwiddie trade, and I remember I'm sorry, that. Spencer Dinwiddie. Yeah, no, I remember that, because I remember not knowing <laughs> who the hell he was, and seeing, like, the long brown hair, and being like, and they didn't even play for Detroit. I don't even know if he played at all, so... Yeah, I, I actually remember that. I remember like being at lunch and like seeing that we made that move, and I was on the, I was a part of that Dinwiddie hive. I wanted to keep him. I thought he was going to be a, a pretty good player, not as good as he is, but no, I remember that. Wow, that tab is not open on my computer. Well, it's open on my computer now. <laughs> um, well, Joe. So now that the roster is set, um, I guess one of the things that that definitely stood out to me that I saw 
um, kind of floating around Twitter from the uh, beat writers, is that Blake Griffin is currently listed as day-to-day with um, hamstring soreness. Uh, we obviously know what happened last year with the knee and the end of the season and the postseason. You don't have to rehash that, but um, should we hit the panic button? Are you hitting the panic button? Where are you at with this? No, I'm not hitting the panic button. <laughs> season hasn't even started yet, so I'm going to I'm gonna wait a little bit, at least until after the All-Star break, hopefully, to hit the panic button. Um, but, I mean, with, with Blake, I just think we're taking a much different approach than we did last year, and it isn't uh, a structural injury. If it was a lingering knee problem that he was dealing with from late last season, then yeah, I would be extremely concerned. If it was anything chronic, I would be extremely concerned as well. But it's a sore hammy. I think they're just going through the uh, process of, of just getting Blake as healthy as possible. And and there's going to be maintenance throughout this entire year, whether that's a sore hammy or uh, sore back or whatever it may be, just get, providing him with rest and a little extra care. So um, to, to me, it doesn't it doesn't mean anything significant throughout the course of uh, the season. I just think we need to make sure that he's ready for the playoffs and that's on the training staff's um, mind. I think they're just going to take a cautious approach and, and really there's no need to force him if he's not feeling a hundred percent or as close to a hundred percent as possible to play in any games or practice in any practices. We know what he can do. He knows the offense extra reps are always good, but um, sometimes that extra mileage can, can make or break a guy, especially with how big he is, his athleticism, although it's dwindled a bit, and just the load that he carries for this offense. Um, I, they're just going to be cautious throughout the entire year. Uh, also, I think we can make the playoffs if, if Blake only plays 65 or so games this year, uh, unlike last season. I just don't think that was possible. So I just think this is a... A holistic season uh, approach just to tend to Blake uh, a bit extra. Um, if he pulled his hamstring, then I'd be a little, um, then I'd be a little more concerned about this. But this this really doesn't raise an eyebrow for me. Yeah, I think this is just going to be something that Pistons fans are going to be seeing more and more throughout the season. They're going to see these types of diagnoses where they're saying, "Hey, he's day to day for this stretch of games," or you know, they're monitoring this for, you know, a week or so. You're going to be seeing these types of headlines a little bit more just because I think they've been very forward in how they are trying to approach the Blake Griffin rest um, situation going into this season. So, you know, I, at first I was a little bit more, you know, oh, that's not something you want to see before the season after, you know, just the memories of everything that happened last year. But the more I thought about it, it's like, ah, yeah, you know, well, A, I, I was happy to see that he didn't play those last two preseasons games, especially it's like those don't do not matter at all. So um, no need to put any extra mileage on him in that sense. He knows the rotation that he's going to be playing with. Like he knows, you know, it, it, this isn't a, a, a new team where he has to learn everything. You know, he's, he's had a year with uh, Dwayne Casey. He's had you know, a year and a half with Andre Drummond and, and Reggie Jackson. So um, I'm not worried about him from from that perspective. Um, it was just a little like, okay, you know, not the 
favorite headline that I saw, not the favorite story that I read about uh, going into this week. But at the same time, it's like, okay, just put it in perspective. This is just a testament to how they're going to be treating him this upcoming season. And and for the right reasons, because the, the end game is the postseason and playing well at the end of the season, not just, um, you know, sacrificing everything, uh, you know, for a game or two throughout the course of the season. So I'm also, you know... Even keel, and uh, yeah, uh, I mean, we'll see what Pump happens. The brakes. Yeah, yeah. Pump the brakes for now. Yeah, yeah exactly. I mean, no, first, no need to panic yet. If he's out the first six games and the Pistons are two and four, then I'm kind of like, okay, okay, that's too much time. A and our our season is starting out on a sour note. B. So I think that we just need we're going to need to be patient with him throughout the entire season. The real key is. Is it just one or two games? Is it just one or two practices at a time? And I, I wonder if there's going to be full transparency on his load management throughout the season or if the, the training staff's just going to have an open dialogue with him and, and see how he's feeling and, and make those decisions based on feedback that they get from Blake. But That's um, what Dwayne Casey said like when he was being asked about it, I think, after today's practice. It's just like they're just listening to Blake. They're just letting him tell them how his body feels, how he's responding to treatment and they're just going to ride it out that way and that's the way to go because no one knows their body more than than these professional athletes themselves and and it could just also be a program where he doesn't play back-to-back nights or he plays limited minutes in back-to-back nights or he doesn't just doesn't play back-to-back nights if it's a certain travel situation Mm -hmm. um you know i think they do have probably a general plan in that sense and we should feel happy uh, about that because there was no guidance at all um, last year. But moving on to uh, another guy who has dealt with some injuries and looks a lot better this this season from a health perspective, thank God. Um, Reggie Jackson did, you know, there, there has been some chatter with the Derrick Rose signing of whether or not Reggie's going to be bumped off as the starting point guard. Uh, for the Pistons, I've sort of set that to the side. D Rose has, has publicly said he's not trying to take anyone's job. He's just trying to win games, and and I believe him. Um, but that narrative is going to continue throughout the season if D Rose uh, continues to play well. Um, really, the the problem for, for Reggie Jackson in some people's minds is is the way that he played. In the preseason, just didn't have a ton of pop. I don't have his shooting splits in front of me, um, but he didn't make a ton of plays, didn't make a lot of shots, and there is a, a little bit of uh, anxiousness with, with Pistons fans uh, in terms of what he did in the preseason. Uh, David, do you share any of that anxiety? Uh, yeah, I mean, you don't want to see him, especially his narrative going into this season and into the preseason was similar to Blake Griffin's last year, where he said, hey, I finally had an off-season of um, you know, training. I didn't have an off-season of strictly rehab. So, And then also, not that you should take any stock into summer basketball run highlight clips. But, you know, they were flowing. He was looking good. He looked like he had some spring. Um, you know, he did have a pretty monstrous jam in the playoffs which made it look like he was getting his legs back under him towards the end of last season um so to see him come out in preseason and shoot 28 percent from the floor and 29 percent from three um was a little disheartening 
it's preseason, so I don't want to put too much stock into it. And I do take his word for it that he is feeling physically better based on um, you know his ability to train this this past summer. Uh, but it's definitely something that to keep your eye on. I, I agree, Joe. I, I don't think that Derrick Rose is looking to take the starting level spot. Um, I don't think the team would really want him to do that either. A from like a spacing perspective. Uh, B, he's not a guy that you really want to run out there for 30, 34 minutes a game. You really want to keep him in that sort of 20, 25 minute sweet spot. So, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to be, that's not going to be a narrative that I'm focused on. I, I really would have to think that Reggie would have to play absolutely terrible for a prolonged period of time um, for that to even become a realistic narrative, um, at least within the organization. So, uh, yeah, so... But but you know you want to see him turn it around because he is a big part to this. He is a bit his three point shooting is going to be key just for the spacing. When Reggie plays really well, like he was at the end of last year, Detroit looked a lot better on the floor. So definitely something I want to keep you know my eye on. And also one thing to note with Reggie Jackson, it's a contract year for him. I know most people in Detroit are seeing this as a narrative of oh thank God it's Reggie Jackson's last year in Detroit. Um, but for Reggie Jackson, the player. He's not retiring after this year. He's going to be looking to get not the same contract that he got with Detroit, but he's going to be looking to get some sort of payday and look to be on a roster, um, you know, go next season. And he will be. So, and that's going to be depending on how good he looks this year. So that was a narrative that I was actually kind of excited about, not because they're finally getting off his money, but maybe that's going to ignite some sort of flame under him to have one of his better seasons that we've seen so far in Detroit. That's a really good point. And, uh, you know, the, the common denominator between Derrick Rose, Reggie Jackson, and, and Blake Griffin is they're all on the wrong side of 30. They all have a history of chronic injuries. And so we're going to have to be conscious of all of their um, time uh, on the floor. And, and Reggie Jackson, although... It's not the same as as Derrick Rose in in Blake Griffin because it's it's a little more acute and uh, you know I think we're just going to go about it a, a different way. Um, we have to be conscious of his mileage too, and I don't think he was trying to overexert himself in preseason. He has lacked the conditioning in the last couple seasons because he has been rehabbing in the off season. So I think that. It was an opportunity for him just to get into the flow of the game, see the game um, in NBA speed, uh, you know, earlier on in the season than he was able to in the last couple seasons because he was huffing and puffing, and uh, you know, just kind of slowly figure that that side of things out. He hasn't lost his shot. He's a he's a good shooter. I, that didn't just leave him. Um, I think he's probably. Uh, experimenting with with different shades of his game he's probably going to be playing with d rose at times so um you know he's a smart guy and i think he's just taking a different approach to the preseason um you know than the traditional reggie jackson than were that we're used to being uh used to see used to seeing that we are used to seeing yeah that makes sense right yeah that's um it. <laughs> uh but yeah i mean you know there's no reason for him to be like overly aggressive in the preseason right i mean we're trying to win games i guess but we're ultimately trying to showcase guys towards the end of the bench to see if they can find a role in the rotation or if they can make the team and so it doesn't bother me really at all what his 
performance was and um you know the narrative with him and d rose that'll probably keep going and i do think the gap between the two of them is slimmer than i originally anticipated but um from a lineup standpoint it just makes way more sense to have reggie jackson in the offensive lineup um with his shooting ability and d rose uh, on the bench so i think that we can set that aside and really see how he plays in the first couple of uh games in the regular season yeah and one thing that's a, a, a definitely a positive for detroit was we did get to see a little bit of Tim Frazier. Um, he shot 47% from the floor, 50% from three. Uh, he didn't have a ton of attempts in the preseason, but still, um, he he looked good in his spurts of action on the floor. And it, it's just w- was refreshing to see him as your third string. Let's say something happens, um, you know, point guard. Just knowing what Detroit had for third string point guards over the past few years. Like you're talking about guys like Jameer Nelson, Jose Calderon, who was a shell of himself. Um, I don't even want to go back to Steve Blake, but in general, you know, you, <laughs> yeah, he was the backup. Um, but as a third string point guard, it was um, uplifting. It was uh, reassuring just to see a truly competent back or third string point guard should D. Rose or Reggie Jackson miss an extended period of time. It just looks like Detroit was able to address very crucial areas on this roster with their limited cap space, and it's not going to be one of those scenarios. I would assume that it's not going to be one of those scenarios like we saw last year with when Ish Smith missed however many games he ended up missing last season. I think it was 20 or so. Um, and then Calderon was the, the primary backup. Detroit was losing games, and that second unit just looked terrible. I think Frazier is, is someone who can really steady the ship. And um, yeah, I mean, it was just it was just reassuring just to see that guy on the floor. It's like okay, I, I will trust him in these situations. And you know, he's been around the league. He's been on some good teams. Um, he'll be able to, to to handle his responsibilities well. Yeah, he's a, he's a next man up kind of guy. He's not like a wild card. Like, can he put it together? Uh, you know, can he just figure out, can he keep up with guys? You know, that's what we were wondering with Jose Calderon. He was clearly just not an NBA player at that point in time in his career. And you just feel comfortable with Tim Frazier in there uh, as the third stringer and, and possible backup point guard. Um, I also liked what I saw out of Tony Snell and, and Markeith Morris. I mean, Tony Snell was balling. <laughs> he was, yeah, he, he was, was balling. Bonafide, like, like starting small forward. His body, I mean, I mean he looks great. Uh, he's he's moving well. He just looks big and, 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 and long, and he's not afraid to shoot, which I personally like. I mean, I, I remember watching some Bulls games back in the day, and he was super hesitant to pull the trigger. And... With a guy like him, he just needs to keep shooting. And, you know, if it gets to a point in time where it's not falling at all, then you got to tone it back a little bit. But that doesn't bother me at the beginning of the season. I think he could be a decent threat at the small forward position for us and and actually potentially be a plus in some situations as opposed to just a guy who sort of, you know, manages the small forward spot at a starting position. So I'm excited about um, Tony Snell and Markeith Morris as well. Uh, I saw something where there was it was somebody's like one of the national writers had a write up about the Pistons. It was actually a long form write up about the Pistons, and one thing they said about Tony Snell, I don't remember the phrasing exactly, but it was something along the lines of Tony Snell would rather get hit by a car than take a defensive playoff. Like he's going to be locked in on the defensive end of the of the ball, like no matter what. So, and that's just reassuring to see where you, you do want guys that are. 
you know, they, they don't have to have their number called to give a damn on, on the defensive side of the floor. Um, you know, he's the type of guy that's going to do what's asked of him for that's best for the team. And, um, you know, there's a reason he's stuck around this league for so long and been thrusted into these like starting level roles on playoff level teams. So, um, yeah, so, I mean, just another, just another positive because, I mean, we've already talked about some positions on this team that last year were just terrible. Like the three was not a three. Like they were starting shooting guards at the three. They didn't play the backups at the, you know, they didn't play Glenn Robinson. Stanley Johnson got cut or got traded. You know, there was just so many areas on this team where there was just a, just such a glaring weakness um, that, uh, yeah, it does actually give me so, some hope going into this season. Joe, should so, we talk about some three? I mean, there was a lot of movement that happened today in the NBA. Um, not necessarily movement, like team-by-team team movement, but players were getting paid is what I'm trying to say. Um, most notably, Jalen Brown secured the bag. Uh, he got $115 million over four years. DeMontis Sabanis from the um, Indiana Pacers also got a four-year $77 million deal. I thought they were like shopping him, I thought I heard over the, the weekend. I don't know what that was, but it doesn't mean anything at this point because he just secured his own smaller bag. Um, <laughs> Joe, what what are you what are your thoughts about that, you know, sort of, deal that Jalen Brown got and especially how it might affect the Andre Drummond contract scenario going into this upcoming off season. Uh, yeah. Different, very... different, different players, right? Like different right. positions, but right. Very, very different players. So it's hard for me personally to compare it. Jalen Brown is a bit younger. This is his first big contract. For Andre, it would be his second big contract. And Andre's 26, I believe. Jalen Brown is 22. So, you know, you're looking at a guy with Jalen Brown who hasn't even scraped his ceiling. I mean, you've seen his abilities and his offensive arsenal. And, and I, he just has so much room for growth. So you're not only paying him for what he can do now. You're paying him for what he can do in the future. That's a big part of that bag that he just got. Uh, with Andre Drummond, you know, it's a bit different. I mean, he may have reached his ceiling, you know. It, it, it's it's all a matter with him of, of whether or not he can add another element to his game, specifically defense, that would provide him with the leverage to demand the max. Um, I think most teams would pay Jalen Brown this money because the market demands a young, lanky playmaker with a three-point shot who can score from pretty much anywhere. Um, the market doesn't call for uh, an Andre Drummond, a 6'10 rebounder who can rim run and have 20-20 games but also have 8-10 games and can't shoot the ball, can kind of pass it. It's just not fully there unless he can develop that defense. So there's a lot more of a question mark around Andre Drummond. And if he doesn't improve this year, then I think he's probably maxed out his potential and his value might only level out or decrease after um, that season if you were to sign him to a four or five-year contract. So it really, to me, is a matter of, you know, how much does Tom Gores like Andre Drummond? Where is there... 
you know, I guess relationship at, and is he and, willing? And how to, much does Tom Gore's listen to their staff too? Like, how much? How, how he, much does he listen to this podcast? You know, <laughs> how much does he listen to Steve Henson from Detroit Bad Boys? Because <laughs> he needs all of this insight. Yeah. Really, to put, put he's a smart guy. He needs to put together all the data and figure out what makes sense. Um, One thing for Andre Drummond though that Jalen Brown can't say, and and I've. You know, I've just heard specu- not speculation, just chatter about this sort of contract scenario. And is Andre Drummond going to be asking for you know 130, 140 mil or something like that? Over, I don't know what his his cap could would be right now, but um, uh, Andre Drummond can point and say, "I have two All Star appearances. I'm a two time All Star. I'm 26 years old." Um, where Jalen Brown, as you said, he hasn't put it all together just yet. Um, but he is more of a position of need than than center. Um, but you're right, Joe. I mean, I think if he does really take a, a big step up on the defensive end, um, you know, no one would question what Rudy Gobert's going to if Rudy Gobert signed a four year, 120 million dollar contract. No one would question that he's a uh, one time depoy, two time depoy. I'm, I'm don't really know. I think it's just one time. But at this point. Just because he's such a beast on the defensive end of the floor and he knows who he is on the offensive end of the floor, no one's going to question when he gets whatever he is going to get in the market. And there will be teams wanting him. Andre Drummond is a little bit different of a scenario. And uh, I remember hearing Zach Lowe say on his podcast, if Andre Drummond wants the max, Detroit Pistons should run for the hills and just hide or something like that. He's just like, they should run as far away from that max contract situation with Andre Drummond as they possibly can. And I know, you know, take what you will for, from Zach Lowe, but I mean, I respect him for sure. So, um, and I agree. I don't think they should be offering him the max. Yeah, I, I don't think they should either, unless he somehow develops that stout defensive ability. And I just don't see it happening. You know, if it's, it's crazy because he could put up 17 points and 15 rebounds a game like he did last year. And you'd still say, you know, that's a bad contract just because of the intangibles, not the intangibles, but just the minor things, the intuitiveness on the floor, the ability to shape the defense in certain ways and just the consistency night in and night out. Uh, is He's a needle mover, but he isn't, he isn't the needle mover he is exactly he isn't the needle mover he isn't the cornerstone to your franchise he's he's a piece um he's just one of those weird in-betweeners who like they're they're good but they're they're not they're really good but they're just not the guy you know yeah i mean the and this is kind of like not hot takey but just a talking point that you hear like he's obviously not the number one guy on a championship level team. The question is, is he the number three guy on a championship team more so than, you know, is he a primary guy? It's like, and, and if he is the number three, how much do you pay that guy? You know, it's like your one, two combo. It's like, yeah, shell out, open up the pocketbooks, bank them out. If you really think that they can be that good on a championship level team, then pay them what you have to pay them. But, but Andre Drummond has yet to prove that, even though, I am a fan. I, I do like his game. I think he can get a bit better if he fine-tunes his game. But, you know, it's still... I think this is going to be a very telling year for, for him. But it was just interesting seeing all these contracts go. 
And then, you know, especially when you see a guy like Tamantis Sabanis, who's a really good player, get a four-year, $77 million contract. Yes, he's younger, so it was going to be less. But still, you know, you start to see this market kind of get shaped. And it's like, uh, Andre Drummond, he's a big question. What What's it going to look like come this offseason? But uh, we'll see. I mean, maybe it won't even get to that point. Maybe they sign him prior to that. I'm not necessarily sure. But, um, yeah, just one thing I wanted to note. Yeah, well, he has the opportunity to audition this season, and the ball's in his court, uh, no pun intended, and we are hoping he plays well, but that, that we don't offer him uh, How well? Contract. How well is the question, yeah. Yeah. He, he will play well. Out. How well? Um, all right, Joe, so enough of the pieces and players and contracts and dollars. Um, we got games coming up. We got real NBA games. And uh, the first one is this Wednesday at the Pacers. Um, I'm just going to go over the first four for like the next week, and then we can talk about it. Uh, the next one, they have a back-to-back to start the season off, their home opener against the Hawks. And then they host the Sixers, and then they host the Pacers. Kind of interesting to see them get two of their four Pacers games done with in the first four games, but um, it is what it is. Joe, what do you think their record is going to be after these first four games? And which games do you think they win? Which ones do they lose? Confidently two and two. I would love to say three and one, but that's not likely to happen. Um, I see them winning the home opener against the Hawks. And... Maybe beat the Sixers at home Whoa. as well. Well, no, I'll say the Pacers just because I don't think they're going to lose to the Pacers twice. So I'll say home home opener against the Hawks and uh, at home against the Pacers. Yeah, I mean, I think on paper that, that, that looks the most plausible. I don't see them. I I think the one scenario where they go 3-1 and one is they steal game one at the Pacers. You know, who, you know it's the first game. Everyone's going to be jacked up for that, so it doesn't matter what arena you're in. Um, but, uh, I, I, I just don't see a world where Detroit beats the Sixers. Um, I think the Sixers got better. Um, I think they're definitely better than they were when Detroit beat them last season. And after that 50 burger from, um, Blake Griffin, and I just don't see that type of performance happening again. So, um, yeah, I'm going to say two and two and I'm going to be okay with that. And I'm going to be okay with those two losses that I think are going to come at Pacers home opener or season opener, and then when they host the Sixers, I just don't see it happening. I agree, David. Joe, I did have a question for you though. Okay. So right now there are you know well as always eight teams make the playoffs in the Eastern Conference. Who do you think? is making the playoffs and who do you think is missing the playoffs i think we can both agree that the sixers and bucks and celtics are for sure going to make the playoffs do you agree with that statement uh list those teams again sorry Uh, sixers bucks celtics sixers bucks celtics uh yes agreed okay are the pacers in actually let me hold off on the pacers are the nets in with kyrie irving Yes. Are the Miami Heat in with Jimmy Butler? I think so, yes. What about Man, the Orlando? So, uh, it's, 
it's tough for me to say all this because I feel like I'm going to say yes to a ton of teams then leave somebody out. Okay, you have – all right. So I think it comes down to these spots. There's going to be um, – I think the teams that are going to be fighting for those last few spots are going to be the Magic, the Pistons, the um, – we'll throw the Pacers in there, the Nets, and the Heat. So that's three spots. So that's five spots. Let me just see here. This is I'm butchering this. <laughs> All right, so I, I'm just going to give you the teams that I think are going to make the playoffs. Yeah, that works. That works. I got the Bucks, the Raptors. I think they're going to make it. Seventy Sixers, Celtics, Nets, Pistons. That's six. That's six. I'll go. Pacers seven. So Orlando or Miami? Who's not making it? I think Miami makes it. Orlando out. Ah, that's tough, man. <laughs> All right, we Orlando's can do this. Good. They did look good. I mean, they looked good in the preseason game. Who do you have out? Um, right now, if you were to ask me, I would say I think the Miami Heat are going to miss the playoffs. Yep, I'm sticking with the Heat. I think they're out. I think Detroit, six seed. I'm going with the Heat as well are out. All right. You heard it here first. Joe, anything else for the people? Nope, that's all I got. Hopefully, we'll be in a good mood Wednesday night. Yeah, we're going to be in a great mood. Everyone's turning up. Everyone's getting lit. Let's do it. Pistons 2019-2020. Bring home the banner. Let's hit this parade up. Let's do this. Well, are you going to the season opener? No, I'm not. Okay. From the we'll go to a game soon, though. Yeah, yeah, definitely going to a game soon. Word. All right, y'all. Peace. Peace.